Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Chrissy, Chrissy Delfonso, she, her, hers. And if anybody's never had that, like had somebody say that before, I did not experience it until I went to UConn last, University of Connecticut last fall. And um, in our classes, we were to give everybody our pronouns and I'd never experienced that before. So I was like, that is so cool. So when I saw that you put that, I was like, yeah. Uh, Mine are also she, her, hers. And she's currently serves as the assistant director of the LGBT Resource Center at Cornell University, where she has worked since the fall of 2018. In her role, Chrissy provides education, advocacy, and support to the LGBTQ plus college students. She has a background in fine arts and a career of 10 plus years in higher education. I'm actually hoping to go into higher education when I'm done my degree, so... Yay. Let's chat. Yeah, she I want to be a psychology professor. Ooh, okay. So, I'm going to school for psychology right now. Nice. So Chrissy has specifically been working on LGBTQ plus issues for the last four years. Chrissy is passionate about social and race, racial justice, gender equity, inclusive language, and knitting. She loves all things rainbow, sparkle, and unicorns and enjoys enjoys imbib- imbibing them in her work on a regular basis. So when I was reading your bio before we got started, I was like, oh, we could be besties. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm into all that stuff too. So oh, yeah. when I got to unicorns and, you know, sparkles, I was like, oh yes, definitely we could be besties. <laughs> so Chrissy we did, you- we did superlatives at the end of grad school and everybody kind of like voted on them for each other. And uh, my superlative was most likely to be an actual rainbow unicorn. And I was like, all right, I will take that 100%. I was told one time I um, am like a Care Bear. Yes. Um, All right. All right. I'm here for it. So Chrissy, um, thank you so much for coming on. Your mom actually introduced us because she's going to be an upcoming podcast guest. And I was super excited to get you on. So thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Happy to be here tonight. So, and I, yeah, it's tonight for us recording this. I get it mixed up right before I, my phone went off and I was like, oh yeah, I got an interview. I need to get on that. I'm glad I set those reminders because sometimes my small humans um, make me mm-hmm. a little brain. I'm going to, your mom taught me how to hide myself so I don't get all distracted by what I look like. So I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> Anyways, um, I would love to start out. We're going to talk about LGBTQ issues right now. I would love to start out with something that people just don't seem to grasp, and that is gender identity. If you could help us understand gender identity and and breaking it down, I actually am part of a Schitt's Creek um, fan fan, um, page, Mm -hmm. and one woman um, today was telling us about her daughter who is gender non-binary, and a lot of people did not get what that meant. So I was like, let's start with gender and solid gender identity that's so funny i have tried so hard to get into Shit's creek and it just like it hasn't landed with me i watched like a season and a half and i'm like everybody loves it and i just don't i don't know it doesn't land for me for some reason i love david i love i actually love alexis too but it just the whole thing mm. so yeah gender 
Um, and so let's just kind of like talk about LGBTQ plus as a whole for a second. We yeah. can kind of delve into gender as well, because I think that a lot of the times when we talk about like LGBTQ plus issues, we just kind of flatten it to like this monolith of like the LGBTQ plus community. But it's actually like this really, really diverse community because even if you just look at the acronym, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer or questioning, five big identities that cover a really broad basis. And a lot of the times we'll just flatten all of that to like LGBTQ plus and not really maybe talk about what those differences in there because the two big kind of categories that you can break the LGBTQ plus community into are um, gender identity and expression and sexual and romantic attraction or orient right. sexual orientation. And so, like I said, we kind of just lump all of this together, but um, you know, the LGBTQ and the trans community can have really, really different experiences. Oh, and absolutely. So when we talk about gender, um, we can start really basic with the ideas of the language of transgender and cisgender. So cisgender is the language that we use to talk about somebody whose gender identity um, aligns with the sex that they were assigned at birth. So I was born a woman, um, I was assigned female at birth, I have always identified as a woman, and so I identify as a cisgender woman. Um, transgender is a really broad category that covers anybody whose gender identity does not line up exactly with the sex that they were assigned at birth. And so when I talk about sex, I'm talking about like biological sex. So right. we think about um, genitalia, uh, chromosomes, secondary sex markers, all of the things that kind of we look at and, and make snap judgments about male or female. It's like very binary idea of biological sex. And um, that's even really starting to go by the wayside. The more research that's done around gender and biological sex, we're starting to realize that like we hold up biological sex as like this monolith of like male or female, there's no other option. And the more that we do research into human sexuality, human sex, biological sex, we're really starting to realize that it, even, even biological sex is not a binary. Right, because there's intersex people. Yep. Like some people yep. may not realize there are people who are born with, could be both genitalia, it could be female on the outside, male on the inside, it could be multiple chrom sex chromosomes. Absolutely, so it's, yeah. it's not just XXXY, XX, you have a penis and testes and XY, you have a vagina and ovaries. It could be a mixture. I think it's actually the opposite. I think female is XX. Oh, it is. You're right. <laughs> I got it mixed up in my head, but yeah. It's, it's easy to do. They're kind of similar. So yeah, so we're talking about like biological sex assigned at birth, and then we're talking about gender identity and expression. The way that I talk about it in a lot of the trainings that I give is that gender expression is really kind of this external um, way of expressing your gender, and gender identity is really internal. So it's the way that you feel, it's the way that you think, it's kind of this like personal conception of it. Um, and then expression is kind of this external expression of it. And those two things are oftentimes linked, but they're actually not always linked. And so um, we use we use an illustration called the gender unicorn. Um, we can link this in the page notes. Yeah, I'll from, definitely link um, it. The Trans Student Educational Resource Center. And it's this great little graphic. It's this adorable purple unicorn. And then it breaks down gender orient uh, gender identity gender expression, sex assigned at birth, and then romantic and physical attraction, and kind of shows each of those things because 
you can fall in vastly different places on any of those spectrums. We really look at all of it as a spectrum. And so you might feel mostly masculine in your gender identity, but present as both masculine and feminine in your gender expression or vice versa or any sort of mixture of those things. Right. So it's okay. a really broad category. Yeah. So for people who don't know, and I, cisgendered is actually a, a word I didn't know until about three, three or four years ago. And I was reading this book and I come across this word and I was like, what is this? And I turned to my husband and I'm like, what is this? And he was like, I don't know. And I look it up on my phone. I was like, oh, well, I had no idea. And I tell him, and he was like, I didn't know that was a thing. Like there was a word for it. I'm like, well, if you think about it, there's got to be a word for it, right? Like mm -hmm. you can't mm -hmm. just have transgender and then not have a, you know, another word for somebody who identifies as the sex they were assigned at birth for. Um, well, and the thing, the interesting thing in society is a lot of the times we don't name the thing that society would consider quote unquote normal. Right. And so for the longest time we had language around transgender, but um, I think it's been around for a lot longer than it's been publicly kind of more popular, but we didn't have the language for cisgender. And so it was, it really became this like false equivalency of transgender versus normal, which is 100% wrong. And so now we have language to talk about each of them. I mean, what is normal anyways? Like a lot of times when I'm trying to talk about mental health, because I'm a huge mental health mm -hmm. advocate, I have lots of mental health problems myself. And I say feel normal and I have to put it in quotations marks because I'm like, what is normal? Like, what am I actually supposed to feel like? I mean, for me, that means not feeling depressed or I'm bipolar or hypomanic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But is that may not be normal for other people who don't have a mental illness. You know what I mean? There's no yeah. normal. Normal is a complete, complete construct. We like to joke around a lot. Um, normal is really just like a setting on your washing machine. <laughs> Basically. So a transgender man is someone who is assigned female at birth, but now mm -hmm. identifies as a male. Yes. And then a transgender woman is somebody who was assigned male at birth, but now identifies as a woman. Yes, in very, very general language, right. yes. Because we can, we can start to break down and get into a lot of different semantics about the language that people use to talk about themselves. Um, and so some folks really don't like this language of like the way that they were born and the way that they are now. Um, or, you know, talking about um, gender transition. Some folks are, are hold that as part of their story and want to talk about that and some folks don't. And so um, I have all sorts of things we could talk about later, but a little bit really about this kind of idea of like using language that people use to talk about themselves um, right. is one of the most important things. Right. And so I have a transgender cousin and when he like came out like, hey, I'm actually, I identify as male. And that was, that was the first time I came in contact with anybody who's transgender. So from mm -hmm. this was oh, like 10 plus years ago, <laughs> like this is a while ago. And it was a difficult, it was difficult. And even to this day, my grandparents will not call him by his chosen name. They will call him K because they just can't wrap their brains around this whole thing. And I'm, for me, I'm not around Kay. I'm not around Caleb a lot. Like, mm -hmm. so for me, 
if, if I, somebody who's not around him a lot, is able to like transition and, and call him by his proper pronouns and, you know, his chosen name, how come people who are around him all the time can't? And so that's really, it's really hard for me. And mind you, I was somebody that it was not well-versed, I'm even not well-versed in the whole LGBTQ community. I'm always learning something new. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it just seemed kind of just logical. If, if Caleb is Caleb and wants to be called he, him, his, why can't Caleb be called Caleb and be called he, him, his? Like, it just to me, it doesn't make sense, but I understand people have an issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that, like, when you get it, you get it, and it's really hard to understand how someone could not get it because it does seem so basic. Right, and so can we talk a little bit about gender non-binary or gender queer? Can we explain that a little bit to people? Yeah, absolutely. So transgender is kind of also an umbrella term in and of itself because so tra- trans or transgender, um, a lot of the times you'll just see like trans um, shortened is, is really this like broad category for anybody whose sex descent at birth does not line up or line with their gender identity or expression. That could look so many different ways. And so some folks um, identify as transgender in a very binary way. And some folks will even use the language of like, I identify as a binary transgender person. This idea that like they were assigned one binary sex at birth, they have transitioned, they now identify as quote unquote, the opposite binary sex. that's, that's it. That's their, you know, that's their story. That's their identity is this very binary transition. Right. Um, a lot of trans folks don't fall within that binary of male or female. There's no in between, there's no middle area. And there's so much middle area. It's just like, it's like gray and rainbow and swirling options <laughs> all in the middle of all sorts of other things. And so um, some folks, I, I use the language of either gender non-binary, uh, gender non-conforming, gender queer. There's a lot of different language that could be used to describe folks who identify in kind of this less binary way of maybe they were assigned one sex at birth, but the gender identity that they identify with now or the gender that they hold. Um, because I have also seen that um, a lot of trans folks don't like the language of gender identity. It's just, it is their gender, period. Right. Um, and so, you know, their, their gender is not a binary gender. It is not male or female or man or woman. Um, it's somewhere in the middle. And so that could be somebody who, um, you know, is very androgynous and does not identify as either gender at all. But that could also be someone whose um, gender is somewhere in the middle. Um, and so they have aspects of masculinity and femininity in their gender as a whole. Does that make yeah. sense? That makes total sense. And often for people listening, not always, but often they go by the pronouns they, them, there, which I know some people have an issue with because they think that it's not proper English. <laughs> Oh, can I get on a soapbox for a minute? Yes, please do. <laughs> this is this is one of the soapboxes that I love to stand on. So, pronouns. 
So when we're talking about binary gender, so men or women, we talk about binary pronouns, um, gendered pronouns. He, him for men, she, her for women. Um, and you know, those are the common pronouns that we see when we're talking about humans in the third person. And we make a lot of assumptions based on the way that somebody dresses, that acts, looks, whether they're wearing makeup or not, what we perceive, what gender we perceive their name to be. We make snap judgments about people and we assign a set of pronouns to them and then we use those pronouns when we're talking about them. As we're talking about all of these people whose gender identity maybe doesn't match their expression or somebody is a very androgynous gender presentation, we still make snap judgments about those people. And a lot of folks who don't identify within that gender binary don't want to use binary pronouns. And so um, one that is very common is they, them, theirs used in the singular sense. So talking about one person. Um, and people, yeah, there are grammar folks who really are very stuck on like, no, it talks about a group of people. No, wrong. Shakespeare used they, them, theirs hundreds of years ago to talk about a single individual. Um, so there is a long history of they, them, theirs being used in the singular and more and more actual like grammar institutions, dictionaries, the APA just released their seventh manual within the last six months to a year, I think they released the seventh yeah, edition of their manual. Yeah, it was very recent. Within that manual, codified in their language, it is grammatically correct, spelled out, no ifs, ands, or buts, spelled out that it is grammatically correct to use they, them in the singular form. So anybody who still has an issue with using they, them as a singular pronoun can fight the APA because <laughs> it, is, it is codified in English writing laws. Well, I think a lot of times over the centuries, we kind of mold things. And it's interesting to me to kind of look at history like mm -hmm. and trace it and see how things changed. And you're like, Oh, so it actually used to be more inclusive language, not just language, but overall uh, in society, like even Native American tribes have like all these different identities that aren't just male, female, right? So this was centuries ago that people were identifying in multiple different ways. I actually took a, um, a, uh, a class at UConn, which was all about all of this. It was so fascinating to see all this history and how it just happened to be governments and people that had a certain agenda that twist these things and make them into things that they're not. Well, and let's, let's be clear. It was white governments. It yes. was colonization that went in. Because, yeah, there's a really rich history of a lot of um, spaces across the globe that have been much more gender expansive, gender inclusive, then really a lot of it comes down to the British Empire and the United States, um, which, you know, white majorities, white colonizers going in and being like, this isn't what we believe about gender, you're wrong, and then erasing entire histories. And so places like India that used to have a very rich history of gender expansiveness have only just recently within I want to say the last couple of years, I'd have to look up the specific date, but the last couple of years have um, started adding in LGBTQ plus protections and marriage equality um, yeah. because of the damage colonizers did. I mean, even if you look at the stories from ancient Greece and ancient mm -hmm. Rome, like there was a whole lot of something going on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. But people don't, they don't look at that and they just look at, oh, well, in my lifetime, like people will say to me, like, well, transgender is a new thing. This is one of the arguments I had with somebody who's now deleted off my Facebook because <laughs> he's a bigot. Um, <laughs> I just got sick of trying to like mm-hmm. converse and getting called names and being attacked. And I was just like, I'm done. But he was like, transgender is a new thing. I was like, no, there just wasn't a name, right? It, somebody wasn't naming this. There, there have always been people who identify in a manner that's not binary, right? Mm-hmm. Not male and female. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, in case people missed it, there's a spectrum. Like there's a whole spectrum of identities. Like it is not just this is male, this is female, this is how we should all be. I mean, yes, I was born female and I identify as a female, but that doesn't mean I think everybody needs to be like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, so, yeah. So now that we've talked about gender and people have that, hopefully some idea what that means, I would love to talk about so before we move on from pronouns, I do just want to kind of like circle back about some other kind of inclusive pronouns or gender neutral pronouns, okay. because um, we talk a lot about they, them, there, and they, them, theirs is definitely the more common one. I have met and worked with a lot more folks who use they, them as gender neutral pronouns versus any of the other sets. Um, but I did just want to kind of throw out there that they, them are not, is not the only set of gender neutral pronouns. And so um, some of the slightly more common that I have seen in use neutral pronouns, um, we, call, we call them either created or constructed pronouns. Um, because the English language is really just a set of stolen languages all smushed together anyways, and then right. a bunch of new words created. So why not add some more new words? Uh, and so the ones that um, I have seen a little bit more commonly are Z-Zier, spelled Z-E-Z-I-R, or um, Z-I-Z-Hir, H-I-R. Um, and so it would be like Z-Zier-Zier-Self, or Z-Hir-Hir-Self. Um, and so those are two sets. There are so many more. Um, the internet has really been a huge thing, a huge creator I'm looking for the internet has really been a huge unifier because all of these folks from across the globe it used to be so hard to communicate and now it's like tumblr and facebook and all of the social media sites and the internet it's really easy for someone to go online and say like i didn't think that that uh they them fit for me but i definitely don't feel that he him or she her fit for me so i created a fourth option here's what i use and then a bunch of people from all over the world can go like oh my gosh, I didn't know that was an option. Me too. And can, you know, start to use that. And we see things starting to pop up all over the world because it's so easy to communicate with each other. And it's really important that we use the pronouns that somebody asks us to use, right? Maybe I, maybe if I said to you and I was talking to you and I said, she, and you're like, no, that's really not the pronoun that I would use. If you tell me to call you a different pronoun, I need to respect that. I need to not Mm -hmm. be like, well, just because you look a certain way, I need to use a certain pronoun for you. That's not it. It is somebody's personal choice on what pronouns they want used for themselves. Absolutely, yeah. So now that we've covered gender, I'd love to talk, not covered, there's so much more that could be. I'm not now even, that we've briefly touched on gender. Yeah, as, as now that we've touched the tip of the iceberg that comes with gender, I would love to talk about sexual orientation. I felt like we people needed to 
understand or have an understanding of gender before we went to sexual orientation because I feel like people get them mixed up. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we're talking about sexual orientation, they don't realize that it's a, a certain way. Like some things are binary, some things are not binary. Like there's a spectrum. So let's talk about sexual orientation. Okay. Where should we start? Um, we can start with just what people usually think when we t- think about LG- LGBTQ plus. Okay. We could talk about the what is in that acronym and then maybe move on to other things that aren't in that LGBTQ, maybe part of the plus of that. Awesome. All right. So cool. LGBTQ plus. So I'm actually going to back up one more step and just codify straight first. So um, straight is a straight or heterosexual is a monosexual orientation. So essentially one person is attracted to one gender and for straight or heterosexual folks, that is the opposite gender or sex. So as a woman, if you are attracted to men and only men, you will likely identify as straight. Um, That is like a very narrow, simple category. That is what, you know, again, what a lot of the world calls quote unquote normal because statistically there are more straight folks in the world. And most um, straight folks are tend to not be attracted to transgender individuals. Correct? That's, I think that's a really tricky one to say. Okay. Um, that, that has a lot of layers to it because okay. um, a, you know, a, a binary trans person, um, a straight person very well may be attracted to a binary trans person. Um, I would say it might be a little less likely for like a straight person to necessarily be attracted to a non-binary person, maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but you know, if, if a woman who is only attracted to men, um, you know, meets a trans man, she may very well be attracted to the trans man and, you know, end up falling in love. Um, I, I have a friend who's done that. She's a straight woman. She's in a relationship with a trans guy. Um, she still identifies as a straight woman. Yeah. Uh, maybe for me, it's just most heterosexual people, not including myself, because I don't even know if I'm heterosexual, just to be honest. <laughs> um, most heterosexual people I know are, are not, would not date a trans individual. And, yeah. and you know what's sad is because they wouldn't even know unless the person told them a lot of the time. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. if somebody's fully transitioned, like they, they may not even know. <laughs> like, Absolutely. But well, I mean, I think just a lot of straight people don't have exposure to the LGBTQ plus community or to trans folks in general. And so there's also, you know, I, I work with college students. There's a lot of folks who might be more in like the realm of heteroflexible. So, you know, like I'm straight mostly, um, you know, that that can really start to bleed out at the edges of like all sorts of things. Because, you know, again, like straight is a very rigid binary definition. And so like, it's hard to put human beings in boxes. We weren't made to fit in boxes. Right. I used to say when I was in college the first time, so I'm 34 for anybody listening that did not know that. Um, So I went to college, flunked out my last semester. Now I'm, now I'm back in college. The first time Mm -hmm. I went to college, I would make out with girls at the bar and I would tell people I'm straight. I'm just, it's just fun. And now looking back, I'm like, we're really straight. 
<laughs> like, was that really a thing? Um, but where, how I was brought up and where I was brought up, it wasn't really acceptable at the time to be mm-hmm. gay or be bisexual. That was not a thing. It was okay if you were in college and experimenting quotation marks around that for anybody who they can't see it (laughs) or um just playing around like Mm -hmm. it was not acceptable really for you to be gay or bisexual so for me growing up and why I say I don't know because I'm married to a cisgender male um I point as if he's here and he's not (laughs) (laughs) I'm married to a cisgender male hello (laughs) um so I always thought I was straight, but now that I like, I'm learning things, I'm like, maybe I'm not, you know, that sort of thing. So that's mm-hmm. why I say that considering looking back now and seeing all the things I'm like, hmm. <laughs> so that's, you know, when you say hetero flexible, I'm like, I'm not even sure I'm not, but we'll get to what I think I am eventually. <laughs> Someday, right? Yeah. But you know, label, labels. Labels, right. So so we've got we've got straight we've got kind of this like next to straight hetero flexible um if we stay with kind of like monosexual orientations and so when i say monosexual i literally mean like i attracted to one sex or gender right. um and so other monosexual orientations are gay and lesbian so gay men who are attracted to men lesbian women who are attracted to women um and those can be kind of somewhat flexible as we're talking about trans and non-binary individuals, everybody kind of has their own interpretation of what that, that label means to them and who might or might not be included in that label. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, gay, gay and lesbian are the ones that I think are probably leaning towards being the most kind of recognized or accepted right. in at least U.S. culture, because there's been, you know, there's been a, what, 50-year now movement of the gay and lesbian rights movement, the gay and lesbian civil rights. Um, And so we're finally really getting to the point where like, when someone says like, yes, I'm gay, and a man says my husband, people are like, oh, okay, I get that. Yeah, Yeah. cool, gay, understand. Um, I think it's when we get into um, non-monosexual orientations that people still get very confused. And so um, in the acronym, we have bisexual and queer. Um, and I'll just throw in pansexual for good measure because those are kind of the three biggest ones that would get probably thrown around and talked about. Right. Um, and so uh, bisexual is um, depending on, again, again, like language is really fickle and there's no, there's no like governing LGBTQ plus body right. that says this is exactly what the definition of this term or label is and this is what the definition is that. And so there's still even, you know, conversations around what bisexual means because, um, you know, for a really long time, folks had, again, a very binary understanding of what it meant to be bisexual was a person who was attracted to men and women, which again, like putting people in these little boxes of men and women only. There's no in between, there's no other. Um, And so for some folks, that's where the term pansexual came from, was that they were trying to be more inclusive of like a pansexual person is someone who is attracted to many or all genders. Right. Um, That's what I think I am. (laughs) Because I just like people. Like, exactly. Just like people. Um, you might also see polysexual, which is kind of the same idea. Um, if 
if you wanted to be very binary about it, it would almost be like bi, two, poly, many, pan, all. Um, that's a really binary thing. And like folks will, will kind of like have this conversation about like it's transphobic to be bisexual because if you're only attracted to men and women, then you aren't attracted to non-binary folks or trans folks, which is like patently false. Um, I identify as, as both bisexual and queer. Um, I tend to use the label queer more for myself. But, um, you know, I grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s. Right. And so, like, queer really wasn't in use then. And so I, I started with the language of bisexual. And it's not something that, like, you know, when you've had a label for, what, almost, almost half my life probably, mm -hmm. um, more than half my life now, when you've had a label that long, it's kind of hard to give it up. And the, the language that I, I have heard and I kind of use if I'm thinking about bisexual is this idea of like, so bi, two, and it's really like attracted to the same gender and other genders. And so it leaves it really broad of like, you could be attracted to all people. Right. If, even as a bisexual person, it's really this idea that like bisexual folks are a non-monosexual identity. They're attracted to more than one gender. Yeah, that makes sense. So what about queer? So queer is a really interesting one. So queer is a is at, at its core a reclaimed slur word. So um, you know a lot of a lot of folks who are older than us. I think you're right on like the millennial Gen X cusp. I'm just yeah, a little bit. I'm an elder millennial. Yep. I'm <laughs> a little bit younger than you, so I'm. I think I'm a little more firmly millennial, but I'm. I'm also. Ooh, I work with college students. I'm very much an elder millennial. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so folks who are, you know, older than the millennial generation, some Gen Xers, but a lot, you know, especially as we get into the baby boomers generation, queer was really a slur term when those people were, were starting to grow up and really kind of like starting to solidify their identities. Um, and it was, it was not used in a nice way. And so there's a lot of history behind that word. And so part of it is that it's been reclaimed. A lot of LGBTQ plus folks were like, fuck it, no, like we're taking it back. This is our word. I'm gonna use this word to talk about me. Um, I, I have no idea who the quote is. I don't even know if it's attributed to anyone, but there's, there's a quote that goes, circulates the internet. Um, not gay isn't happy, but queer isn't fuck you. Um, and I've always <laughs> really liked that. I'm like, I like that. yeah, like yeah. stick it to the man. Um, and so queer has been used in kind of a, several different ways because um for some folks it can be like a really political term because of this like so for if, if we're coming at it from this like not gay isn't happy but queer isn't fuck you queer is this very like politicized term to talk about your identity and so you can be like yeah i'm queer what of it like fight me <laughs> um and but it can also be used in kind of this really inclusive way um mm -hmm. because lgbtq plus is an acronym that includes five identities. And then there are all of these other identities that don't get included in the acronym. So pan folks, ace folks, uh, non-binary, gender non-conforming, like all of these folks are not included in this monolithic acronym. And so queer, a lot of folks use queer as this like more intentionally inclusive term of like really anybody who's not cisgender or heterosexual. That's part of where I came to it from was that there this like, like inclusivity of it doesn't really 
specify who's a part of the community. Anybody who identifies outside of these two really narrow categories can be part of this broad, caring, loving community. Um, but then also, when you're using it as a self-identifier, it's also really beautiful because you can say, I'm queer, without having to specify, I'm a bisexual woman who's attracted to women and men and non-binary and, you know, this whole litany of, like, your identity. If you just say, I'm queer, you're like, I'm part of this group. Done. Right. No, you, you could ask me questions, but I could be like, no, I'm queer. The end. Done. Yeah. Um, and so there's really some like beauty in being able to kind of align yourself with this group without having to go through maybe a full explanation of your whole gender identity and sexual romantic and, you know, um, physical attractions. And you know, why should we? Like this makes, so it makes sense. I heard this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Why are kids having to come out? Like, why is that a thing? Because it shouldn't just be assumed that you see me on the street that I am a heterosexual female, right? Cisgender mm -hmm. female. That shouldn't just be the assumption. And we shouldn't think it's our place to question people all of these questions about what they do in their personal life. Like, what is it? What is what you have going on in your personal life have anything to do with me? It, it doesn't. Like, you're not going to come up to me and start asking me what it's like to be heterosexual, you know what I mean? Or pansexual again, no idea. <laughs> I mean, someone might, but it really wouldn't be very appropriate. Right. But it, I mean, it's not appropriate for them to ask you, like, mm -hmm. you know, about your sexual orientation or how you identify. That's really questions that we need to drop, right? We need Absolutely, to- Absolutely, yeah. And that's why, like- I'm sorry if this is going to offend anybody who's listening, but gender reveal parties drive me nuts. Co-sign <laughs> like, on that. Yes, because you don't know. Like, you th that's their bio biological sex, but you don't know if that's how they're going to identify later. Do you know what I mean? And now we have all these, you know, I like the reverse gender reveal parties. That's what they're calling them, is when somebody comes out as a, a different gender than what they were assigned as birth. Like there's this oh, whole- Oh, I've idea. seen those. They're so sweet. So sweet. So you talked about ACEs and I just found this. I know another word for ACEs. Mm -hmm. um, I just found out ACEs was a, an all-encompassing word for um, asexual or different kinds of asexuality. And so let's, let's pause for a moment and be clear okay. because you're having my mom on the podcast later and she'll talk about ACEs, but she talks about adverse childhood experiences. Yes. That's not what we're talking <laughs> That's about. That's not right what now. we're talking about. <laughs> and she did too. So I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> Delfonso's. Everybody's got different words. So yeah, asexual is again, like we love umbrellas in the queer community. Love them. And so ACE is another umbrella term for um, asex like asexual in and of itself is really like somebody who doesn't experience um, sexual attraction. Um, and then there might also be aromantic, and so maybe somebody experiences sexual attraction, but not romantic attraction. Um, folks who identify as demisexual, and so um, may only experience sexual or romantic attraction after they've gotten to know someone. Um, a lot of demi folks will like, start to form feelings for someone and that's when maybe they'll start to feel sexual attraction towards that person that they're starting to to feel deep feelings for um and so ace is this kind of just really broad category of like somebody who doesn't identify as again when we're you know giving language to quote unquote normal 
um, the language that we use to talk about kind of the opposite of asexual is allosexual. So somebody who is who experiences sexual and romantic desire um, might identify as allosexual. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that I learned a new word today. Yeah, yeah I actually learned two because I learned aces earlier. I was uh, creating a, a Facebook post about genders and um, gender identity, or not gender, sex, gender identity and sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. And I shared this really cool video. It was only like four minutes long because I know people's attention span is like non-existent. So short. Yeah. Um, so it was really short and I, and I talked a little bit in my post about the different things, but I wanted to look them up. So I was giving the right context because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert by any means. I continue to try to educate myself. And when I looked up asexual, that's when I learned about aces. So now I've learned two terms today. <laughs> so much learning. So much learning. So it's, it's LGBTQ plus the plus being all of these other identities and sexual orientations that are under this umbrella which mm -hmm. is basically and people think the a stands for ally and to me allies really aren't like yeah you can support this but i mean to me i always thought a was asexual but people try to say it's ally it really depends on who you ask you know different people have different takes on it um you know when i use if i'll if i use the full like the quote unquote, full acronym, you might see LGBTQQIA+. Um, and, you know, the, the A often does stand for, especially when I do it, stands for ACE. Um, you know, in, in our center, we're always very open to allies because one, allies are really important in the move for LGBTQ plus equity, but also two, especially in like a college setting, allies might be folks who haven't come out yet. And so we never want to shut down an ally because they might be someone who's part of our community who just hasn't figured out either what part of the community or whether they're ready to come out or, you know, they, they haven't fully come out yet. And so they're identifying in that ally group wanting to have proximity and closeness to the LGBTQ plus community before they, they take that full step into being, maybe being a raging queer. Like yeah, I used to talk about myself. <laughs> that makes sense. I it's with my kids, so my kids, I try to be very open and have conversations with them mm -hmm. about all all of the things. And I've I definitely I'm like I am doing my job. So a fun story, my my twins, I have twins. They're my youngest ones. We're in first or second grade, and my daughter, my identify right now as female twin. Um, may identify differently later, but <laughs> right now that's how she identifies. Um, she came home and said, hey mom, these kids in my class were calling everybody gay. I was like, first I was like, this is still going on. Like, seriously, this was going mm -hmm. on when I was a kid. Why is this still a thing? Um, so I'm like, since it's still a thing, I said to her, I said, you know what I want you to do? I want you to go back. Cause we, since she was little, we've talked about gay, you know, LGBTQ plus all the things. So mm -hmm. even at second grade, she was familiar. And I said, why don't you go back to these kids and I want you to ask them what's wrong with being gay. <laughs> so, Ooh. Yeah. Um, so she comes back like two days later and goes, mom, I was like, what? And she's like, I had to break up with my best friend today. And I was oh. like, why? And she goes, well, my best friend called me gay. And I asked her what was wrong with that. And she goes, ew, that's gross. 
my dad said that's disgusting. And Audrina <laughs> goes, well, I might be gay and I just don't know it yet. So we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. Yes. You are doing parenting right. Thank you. I was, oh my God, I laughed so <laughs> freaking hard. <laughs> I might be gay and I don't know it yet. That is friggin' gorgeous. I mean, it. how my little ones have described it is, I mean, they have a lot of friends, right? And so they don't know, like, if this is, these are friends that they would want as a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or if these are just friends. So, mm -hmm. like, at their age, it's really kind of like, I just like people. And maybe when they grow up, they'll still just like people. Or maybe they, when they grow older, they will realize they like some people more than other people, you know? So to me, I was like, you don't really have to choose right now. You don't mm -hmm. have to be like, I, I'm romantically attracted to people who identify as a girl or I'm romantically attracted to people who identify as a boy. To me, I'm like, just, just do you. <laughs> They're going to be nine in August. Like, they might know, but they might not know. I'm not pressuring them to decide right now. Like, that's their decision. So I was like, that was a proud mom moment. I still have a lot of work to do. I have some work to do on my husband because there's certain things. He's not, he's not discriminatory. He doesn't say hurtful things about certain communities. He just doesn't understand things. Mm -hmm. Like, to him, he just doesn't get it. And he said that to me. He was like, I have no, so for him, he's, He's like, I have no problem working with somebody who's transgender in the workplace. Like, that's fine to me. He's like, but I just don't understand. I just don't understand transgender. And so I explained it to him. He was like, I, I know, Meg, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. And I was like, you know what? I can, I can get behind that, that you're being non-discriminatory and you don't know, but you're willing to listen mm -hmm. and not be hateful. I can't get behind the people who just want to stay ignorant and be assholes. Like, to me, I'm like, no. Like, but if yeah. you're open to learning, I feel like for him, if you just give him some time, he's going to come around and understand. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there's a huge difference between, like, I've never met a trans person, so I just don't know yet. And, right. like, I've never met a trans person, but I saw them on the internet, and I don't like them. Like, that person needs to go far, far away. Right. Because, Yeah. You can't see me. I'm making faces. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's making faces right now. So we have definitely reached our time limit. Um, but I would love, what is something that you would like to leave the audience with? Maybe something we haven't covered or maybe just to kind of wrap things up. Oh, it's such a big question. Everything up there so much. So much. Um, so I think, I guess I'll leave with a couple of just kind of like, basic allyship steps toward the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and the, the number one biggest one is just listen to people. If someone tells you these are their pronouns, if someone tells you this is the language they use to talk about themselves, listen to them. Remember it and then use that language moving forward. It is not hard. We are intelligent grown-ups. We can remember to pay bills and so we can remember someone's pronouns. Yes. It is not hard. Um, and I think the other, a couple of other big ones are like, continue to educate yourself. We all have access to the internet and there is so much on the internet. Mm -hmm. You know, you really get to learn about what you prioritize. And so if you're willing to do some research about, you know, 
Megan did research today about the ACE community and learned. And so, you know, it's so possible to do research around trans representation in the media. The SCOTUS decision that just came out about <laughs> LGBTQ plus oh, discrimination in the workplace. <laughs> no. SCOTUS, no, we, yes. Yay, SCOTUS. Boo POTUS. Boo POTUS. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't, we're going to leave on a high note. We're not going to talk about the HHS decision. Uh, we'll talk about the SCOTUS decision. But, but you know. The, the SCOTUS did um, stick up for the trans community and that's what you're talking about. Yes. SCOTUS stood up for the whole LGBTQ plus community, yes. really. Um, and so, yeah, like really quick cliff notes of that. The Supreme Court um, just a week ago, two weeks ago now. Uh, put out their their guidance, their decision on the case about employment discrimination and ruled that it is unconstitutional to discriminate against LGBTQ plus people in the workplace. Um, there is preliminary guidance from a lot of lawyers that sounds like that um, lead that SCOTUS decision actually will preempt the um, DHHS guidance oh, that was released I hope so. the Friday before because yes. Um, and so it, it's probably still going to be a pretty long legal battle to actually like push those, that guidance back. Um, but it does sound like the Supreme Court decision will kind of cancel out the Department of Health and Human Services guidance that allows for trans discrimination in healthcare. I wonder if that will also kind of umbrella to they're trying to push where adoption agencies and foster agencies can discriminate against trans and gay um, parents yeah. as well. So I'm It'll hoping. really interesting yeah. to see how they use that legal guidance moving forward. Right. So I've, we're just, I mean, the basic premise is the administration it, right in charge right now is trying to roll back a lot of things mm -hmm. when it comes to trans, um, not just trans, the whole LGBTQ plus community. And mm -hmm. it's, it's very disgusting. <laughs> and so I think the last one after listen to folks and educate yourself is um, really just like stick up for the LGBTQ plus community, whether we're present or not. And so if someone makes a homophobic comment, makes a transphobic joke, get somebody's pronouns wrong. As a cisgender or heterosexual or both person, you have a lot of privilege in that situation to turn to the person who just made that homophobic comment or transphobic joke and be like, why is that funny? I don't think it's okay that you said that. Oh, actually, Megan uses she, her pronouns. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very simple, but it can have a really big impact um, when, when we stand up against bigotry. Exactly. And part of educating, I love podcasts. I'm obsessed. And now I've followed way too many of them and I can't keep up anymore because I get so interested in such good ones. And right now I have too mm -hmm. many political ones going on because I'm really into what's going on right now. Um, but two that I've been listening to are Food for Thoughts. And I'm going to link this up in the show notes. It's food number four, thought, T-H-O-T. -T, and they're oh, hilarious. Yes. And then the other one is Diking Out. Um, those are Amazing. two two I've been listening to. So I would really encourage, and there's a list that I'll link up and that's how I found these. Um, I just can't follow every one of the podcasts because mm -hmm. I can't keep up. Um, but I'll link the list for everybody um, so that they can check out all the different podcasts that um, that you can. Like, it's amazing and, and it's a great way to learn, but also entertaining. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. so entertaining. Like, because these aren't podcasts that are specifically, like, all about educating you. They're just mm -hmm. all about, like, 
life and and hilarious um <laughs> and netflix of all places has actually been really amazing they put out a bunch of stuff like this summer um not even the summer like this spring into the summer um so they just released disclosure with laverne cox and a lot of other really amazing people i'm talking about trans representation in the media which is like amazing everybody should watch that have you ever seen Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar? No. Oh my gosh, you had to watch this movie. So even though my parents were slightly homophobic when I was growing up, I'm surprised as a child I was even allowed to watch this. It is Wesley Snipes, um, Patrick Swayze, and I forgot the other guys' names, and they are drag queens. So they, they win, and I'll, and I'll link it up in the show notes too, they uh, win a, some of them, not all of them, um, win a drag show and decide to go on this cross-country trip. And it is amazing. And it gives, it, I watched it with my kids the other day, so not completely inappropriate for children. There's parts where you might be like, mm. um, but it was really an educational opportunity to talk to my kids um, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> my nine-year-old kept calling them drama queens. I was like, it's drag queens. And she was like, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just... some of them are both, but. Right. <laughs> but we had really good conversations. So, um, yeah, you should really watch it. It came out in the nineties. Mm-hmm. That's why I said, I'm surprised that I was even allowed to watch it. But, um, and also because my parents are slightly homophobic, um, or sometimes very homophobic. Anyways, um, and transphobic. So it was surprising that like they allowed me to watch this movie, but I remember as a kid watching it, it's actually a really, really good movie. So. Well, I just wrote it down. I have a whole list of media because I, when it comes to, to, to popular depictions of media, I'm actually kind of terrible at um, having watched like certain really important things. And so I'm trying to educate myself about pop culture media better during quarantine. <laughs> Well, it's on Netflix. That's why when you said Netflix, I was like, I love Netflix. You gotta watch it. So that was another thing they aired on Netflix recently. It made me so happy. Um, But anyways, I cut you off. Is there anything else? Uh, No, I just had more Netflix recommendations. We can link them in the show notes. Um, They came out with uh, Circus of Books. And um, Circus of Books was about this like, little old Jewish couple who accidentally became mag- uh, magnets in a porn empire. Oh. Um, they bought a porn bookstore and, like, ended up becoming these, like, porn empire people. Um, it's it's adorable. Um, but talks about, like, they, you know, they, they had a kid who came out as gay, and it, it's a really beautiful kind of, like, uh, documentary. And then Secret Love, which, um, don't watch it unless you're prepared to cry, because Aww. it is beautiful, and also just, like, it, yeah, it's a gay love story of these two Canadian women. And it's just like, oh, my girlfriend and I watched it one night. We were like, all right, we're going to get the tissues. We're going to get like snuggled up on the couch because we know we're going to cry. We cried a lot. Canada is so <laughs> on the forefront of all of this. Like all the good like LGBTQ plus movies and shows, they come out of Canada. Like the Canadians, I mean, in my opinion, maybe it's because I'm part Canadian. I think Canadians are awesome. I think in some ways they're quite a bit ahead of us, yes. Yes. So they also have Justin Trudeau with the hair. So, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) 
when I saw that video and they made it like some made it like slow-mo mm-hmm. with and I was like, oh damn, why can't we not have somebody that looks like that? <laughs> like said so we gotta look at this old white whole different that's a whole different <laughs> podcast. We could talk for another hour about that. <laughs> Yes, we could. Um, so, well, Chrissy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciated talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.